Okay. I just thought when you took that deep breath, you were signaling you're ready to talk. I was not. But you're <sighs> over, you're over here being all. <laughs> oh, shit! Welcome back, hey. everybody. Oh. <laughs> I really thought I could sneak that one through. trying to spread there, Joe Patrice? Yeah, well, welcome back mm-hmm. to Thinking Like a Lawyer. This is your weekly Above the Law podcast where we go through some of the major legal stories of the week. That is, uh, well, you've heard from everybody kind of a little bit, but I'm Joe Patrice from Above the Law, and I'm joined by some of my colleagues. I've got Catherine Rubino here. Yeah, I'm here. And I've got Chris Williams here. It is I. Yeah. So we are going to talk a little bit about the week. As I said, uh, mm-hmm. there's, there's been you legal know, not, stories there have been, that are happening. There have been things happening across our legal industry that we know and love so well that we think we should talk about. First, I think we should have some, you know, not not talk about the big issues yet. Okay. Maybe should, small issues. We wait, really? So like, so mm-hmm. like, is there a term for that? I think it's called like tiny communications. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have small talk. Small talk. So what, what's up, everybody? Well, I spent a not insubstantial amount of my weekend putting up some Christmas decor. Oh, I so, have, so yeah. you are, you are it definitely- It is November. It is the sure first is. week of I the waited, November. I waited until November 1st, and I should be congratulated for that. So You, you are, are the you, reason Mariah Carey is wealthy. No, she, Mariah Carey is the reason why Mariah Carey is wealthy. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be very clear. I'm not taking fair, anything fair. away from that woman. So fair, you're fair. going full anti-main here that we got to- We need a little Christmas right, right this very minute. Yeah. yeah. No, listen- uh, it's, I also love Thanksgiving. I don't think a pro-Christmas stance is necessarily mutually exclusive with a celebration of Thanksgiving. But here's the thing. Thanksgiving doesn't have a ton of carols or music generally associated with it. The decorations are a little bit lackluster, though I will say it does not mean that I don't also have up my sort of fall decor, but I have the palette of my fall decorations that kind of blends with my Christmas stuff. And it's not all up yet. But, you know, you're going to put up five Christmas trees. You can't do that in one day. Yeah. No, I think that's fair. Uh, So I have two of the five up currently. It's like an advent calendar, like (laughs) as we count down to the day after that, to Black Friday. Yeah. Then we're going to have all of them up. Yeah. It's going to be great. Yeah. So I have my turquoise tree up and I have my pastel tree up currently. Why are, why are you, why? Why, why five not? trees? Why turquoise trees? Why? No, you don't understand. Let me, let me repeat. Why? I, all, <laughs> of this, all of this needs explanation. Well, um, I mean, I think she's already, I mean, there's a ton of explanation already on the, on the flow. Here. Why turquoise? <laughs> Uh, I love the color. It's very pretty. It matches my house and my decor. And as I was saying, I have things that go with both the November kind of Thanksgiving decor. I also have a lot of turquoise pumpkins, a lot of black and white stuff that kind of blends in Pumpkins come in turquoise? Yeah. You can get anything in turquoise these days. To be clear, I don't think she's talking about a real... Well, there are blue pumpkins you can buy. I've had them in the past. Yeah. Take Um, that, Joe. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but you know, they're, they're harder assume, to come you by. End up being I, wrong. I'm, I'm, I'm suspicious. 
<laughs> okay. And yet here they, they are, they exist. Um, but there's a ton of decor. Like I'm currently, I have a dining room table that has a tablecloth that has lovely turquoise blue pumpkins printed all over it. Yeah. So I think turquoise is a great color. It's a lot of my house is decorated in turquoise and it makes me super happy every Ooh. time I turn on my turquoise tree with its turquoise lights and its turquoise okay. ornaments. So, uh, <laughs> so that that I think uh, concludes our session on turquoise talk. We, we are brought to you by the color turquoise. <laughs> But that's what I did this weekend. Those deadbeats haven't paid their bill yet. (laughs) We're now going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor, Turquoise. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, So so what did you do, Joe? You quick to poo-poo my Christmas decor. Did you have something better on your agenda? Not really. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, no. um, I I think all three of us did debate stuff this weekend a little bit. So that was that. Way to steal my my shine. I know, right? Like, leave a, little, leave a when, bit of mystery. I could have been fighting fires when, or some shit. When we all do the same things. Did you have any fires in your home that's, this No, week? that's the thing, Joe. They only know we did the same things if you say it. Like, right. Well, I mystery. mean, I mean, okay. Yeah. Well, you got the, uh, you, you actually had some folks actually address the fact that your house catches fire. I did? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. That was this weekend. That was this weekend. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, enough about Joe's weekend. Mine was great. Um, it was electrifying for two reasons. One, the study mm. that I'm doing my um, uh, the podcast and there was only one working outlet in the entire room and the overhead light did not work. Now I have four working outlets and an overhead light that works, which gives me the opportunity to study my students, to grade my students papers late into the night. I will not take it, but I like knowing <laughs> that the option is there. Nice. Was this related to your electrical fire that you had or is this separate? With the grading? The lack of of power in your study. oh no my house is just uh it's been it's been broken for uh several <laughs> years but now that I'm making the uh the big bucks judging debate tournaments I can afford to do some repairs. Speaking of, it was nice to do judging this debate tournament because it scratched the teacherly itch that teaching at my actual college doesn't scratch. Oh no, because <laughs> um, I don't know what it is, but it seems like the students who are doing debate actually maybe halfway want to be there and are interested in learning, which is different from the collegiate mm. experience. There was one There was one part where there was a debater. They were arguing over definitions and they had to give reasons why you should prefer one set of definitions over another one. And I gave them a reason that was anchored in the Constitution. So I got to wear my my lawyer hat and it was really there you go. <laughs> yeah. it was It was a good weekend. It was a good weekend. Um, I've, I've been poo-pooing any involvement with debate for like the last two or three years or so if memory serves but it's nice to be back it's nice to be back yeah. and interact with folks nice ah, good all right well with that said uh i think we have reached the conclusion of our small, uh, talk. small talk time so okay we'll close it off amazing that. yeah all right so let's talk about uh legal stuff mm-hmm. uh hey hey do you have a legal job you might not for Maybe. long. Yeah, go <laughs> yeah, on. Yeah, we got some reports last week that the world's richest law firm is conducting some stealth layoffs. Boo. Let's uh, real quick, uh, to the extent anybody is unfamiliar with the phrase, what is a stealth layoff? They are evil. They are some toxic corporate bullshit right there. Uh, that is when a firm in the midst of an economic or an anticipated economic downturn decide that during uh, their review process, they decide that 
all of a sudden, folks do not meet the standards that the firm has, whether it's number of hours that they've billed or some other kind of more nebulous standard um, and say, oh, you know, you're not you're no longer qualified to work here. You know, you're not meeting our standards. Usually give them a couple of months of severance, give an opportunity to uh, find a new job. And then they're able to say that they have not conducted economic based layoffs. And so every so people who are from the outside who may not be familiar with this process think that it's the attorney's fault. Think that, oh, well, if only you'd build more hours, you'd still have a job. Never mind that there were not matters for them to be staffed on, which is very much not a junior associate's role, right, to bring new matters into the firm. But they still get laid off and they still are made to feel like it is something that they did, as opposed to the fact that if it was a great economy, they likely would have gotten a full bonus, great yeah. review all the way across the board and done literally nothing different. Okay, so with that with that description now, so we now know what stealth layoffs are. So now what's going on at, over at uh, Kirkland. Kirkland? Yeah, they're letting go, folks, after a series. They normally have their review period in the fall, and they're letting bunches of folks off. Um, again, because of the nature of stealth layoffs, the exact numbers are super hard to confirm. I think we've confirmed at least 25 folks, but likely significantly more. We've heard rumors of many, many times more than uh, 25. And given the size of the firm, that would that would track. Like Many, right. many more would seem likely. Right. Uh, also, given the nature of Kirkland's business portfolio, which is, you know, historically been very corporate and transactional heavy to mm -hmm. the extent things slow down. That is where a lot of that work is going to happen. It's not going to, you know, like other firms may have a mix that deals with, you know, that has more weight on bankruptcy or litigation that could pick up. Um, and it's not that they don't have those folks, but you know, they, they they rely a lot on the transactional side. So this doesn't shock a lot that they would be one of the early movers in the layoff world. I mean, I also think it's because they were very aggressive during the 2021 kind of corporate boom, right? We talked extensively on this podcast about all the lateral moves that were happening in corporate last year, end of 2020. The market was super hot. Literally, firms were saying, if you have a pulse and are able to do even a little bit of deal work, we will hire you. We were hearing stories of without an interview, they were hiring new corporate folks because there were so many deals. They didn't have enough bodies to staff the deals. We got tips that Kirkland was paying almost double in signing bonuses mm -hmm. to get people mm -hmm. too. like they, they they were so they were super aggressive during the good times which means that they're super aggressive in the bad mm -hmm. and you know we're hearing a lot of corporate based folks so that find themselves out of work you know end of the year is never i mean it's never a good time to lose your job but that's particularly awful you know, it's a time that a lot of these things happen, but not surprised. But once again, we're seeing very similar patterns happen that we saw in 2008, 2009, where firms are letting folks go, pretending like it's their fault through no actual quality problems. I'd also, I'd also add that we're... Sim so you, you mentioned the 2008, 2009. I actually mm -hmm. think... It it strikes me as a little more similar to the, in retrospect, more minor recession that took place, you know, like in the 2001, 2002 kind of sure. area, which was driven by tech. That little dump began kind of in the tech world, which was really kind of 
outkicking its coverage. Uh, mm -hmm. And we saw that firms that were very tech-based were the kind of canaries in that layoff mine. That we're also seeing because we've got, you know, we're hearing reports now that the Bay Area market in particular is having some layoff issues. Uh, not only do we have companies like Facebook going into the absolute toilet, but we have an idiot running Twitter firing <laughs> people. Uh, we have, and that spills over to the uh, the outside counsel for these sorts of places too. So mm -hmm. I think we've already seen delays in new attorney start dates coming out mm -hmm. of firms that are based in that area. So whether or not this gets kind of isolated to the Bay Area and the rest of the market pushes forward, we'll see. Uh, it is a tenuous time whether or not this spirals into mass layoffs across the board. Who knows? Uh, but mm -hmm. and I mean, I think the differences between now and 08, 09 are worth talking about because what a lot of firms did massive cuts uh, in 08, 09 and cut, you know, most associates of particular class years. And what wound up happening is once the market started picking up, they had holes in their staffing. They no longer had mid-levels able to lead teams. They no longer had senior associates that they could start to groom for partnership. So I think that firms are a little, well, I think, you know, very conscientious firms are concerned that they don't overcut because they don't want to be put in that position that they were in 2010, 2011, 2013, when they just they didn't have the mid levels that they needed to really function properly. Well, I also think there's something to be said for like as bad as things may may look uh, right now. Uh, this is not 2008, 2009, because mm -hmm. as I said, the the Bay Area is having some issues with the tech sector, but the problem with 2008, 2009 is that banks literally disappeared. Mm -hmm. uh, like when, when Lehman Brothers disappears, that's going to cause much bigger problems than Meta being sure. in, in, yes. in the tank. Lehman Brothers is, yeah. has, is a much bigger provider of legal work than, right. or was. So yeah, so yeah. I, and, and other banks I, who did survive also suffered big there. Mm -hmm. So I, I, feel like the the odds that this passes into the New York market are a little bit mm -hmm. a little bit muted uh, from what had happened in that run. But that said, it, you know, we can't really predict where things are going to go, but it seems like that. And we are hearing okay. some folks in bigger markets, not just in sort of the California tech based world that are impacted by these as well, mm -hmm. but perhaps at firms that are more heavily invested in the tech space and corporate space as well. Right. And the tra transactional side stuff, I think that that said, I mean, I have heard some firms say that they're going to try to be counter cyclical uh, and try to invest in basically getting the rebound of these transactional lawyers coming uh, coming out of these firms, because mm -hmm. even though they don't, may not have the work now, they foresee a, a more rapid turnaround that like the problems that they're facing that we're facing are a little bit more transitory. So they think that they can kind of score by picking up these folks on the rebound, which, you know, would be you know, a real win. Well, if you find yourself out of work, you want to tell your story to Above the Law, you can always reach out to us, tips at Above the Law, and we wish you the best of luck finding your next legal job. Yeah. Calidus AI cleverly supports you by suggesting relevant law to address your complex issues. Put in simple questions or longer fact patterns, then Calidus asks you to confirm if points are salient before proceeding. Use Calidus to check if you found all the key concepts, cases, and statutes. Calidus turns that into a high-quality, customer-ready document. 
handle complexity confidently with legal's most advanced AI platform. Get $90 off your first two months. Use promo code Joe at CalidusAI.com. That's C-A-L-L-I-D-U-S-A-I.com. Hey, Guy, what's up? Just having some lunch, Conrad. Hey, Guy, do you see that billboard out there? Oh, you mean that guy out there in the gray suit? Yeah, the gray suit guy. Order up. There's uh, all those beautiful, rich, leather-bound books in the background. That is exactly the one. That's J.D. McGuffin at Law. He'll fight for you! I bet you he has got so many years of experience. Like decades and decades. And I bet, Guy, I bet he even went to a law school. Are you a lawyer? Do you suffer from dull marketing and a lack of positioning in a crowded legal marketplace? Sit down with Guy and Conrad for Lunch Hour Legal Marketing on the Legal Talk Network. Available wherever podcasts are found. All right. So, you know, speaking of things that are shitty, let's talk about Jones Day. What are we doing? <laughs> what is that right? They have not learned from the great Barbara Streisand, is <laughs> what I'm going to say. Yeah. You know, th- that's an excellent point. Let- let's bring this back. For the younger uh, this, people who definitely know what reference you're making, what reference are you making? To Barbara Streisand? You yeah, don't know yes. who Barbara Streisand is? I'm a she, 28-year-old black man. Like, I know she, the right, name, well, but I don't follow her catalog. So, Barbara Streisand was a singer. Uh, in, is. Is. Yeah, is. I guess is, is, is. Anyway, uh, Barbara Streisand, very famous singer, got into acting, did a lot of acting. Uh, lots so of Broadway so stuff. Lots of Broadway, yada, yada, was she yada. Good? Not real. Fantastic. Yes, not really the issue, though. Uh, the issue, as far as this topic is concerned, is about the internet, which is a, which I don't know. I don't know if you know that. That's this thing <laughs> that out there where all these computers are, uh, and there's a series of two people connect. Yeah, yes, right. Yes. And yeah. on that, there is a internet phenomenon known as the Streisand effect, which is named oh, after, gotcha. which is Barbara. named after her. It, yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. No, that, no, that it was perfect. all comes together like that. That was perfect. Anyway, it was named after Barbara Streisand because uh, at one point she complained about something that was on the Internet that basically nobody had paid attention to. But her complaining about it meant that now everyone's paying attention to it. The Streisand effect is about backfiring. Anyway, what we have here is a situation where Jones Day, a well-known right-leaning law firm, got very mad uh, and what made them very mad and very sad was that a law professor had written an – well, ostensibly was that a law professor had written an article talking about what are the ethical, moral, professional standard scope of shaming lawyers. Uh, and we've talked about this a lot on this show over the years. Uh, at what point is it acceptable to say – to blame a lawyer for – defending clients that are problematic. And at what point is that a lawyer's duty? And obviously, it depends on the situation. It depends on business interests, yada, yada. We've gone through that ground a lot. Anyway, this article uh, actually is very good uh, that um, Brad Wendell from um, Cornell Law has written. It is very good on this point, talking about shaming lawyers and how that works and what standards we should have. And one of the examples he uses to frame it is the backlash that Jones Day faced in the aftermath of the 2020 election. Okay. Something we wrote a lot about at the time. Right. He also is, uh, the professor was also about to host a talk at Cardozo featuring David Enrich, who wrote the book Servants of the Dam, which we, uh, I recommend people go out and get. It's a book from New York Times reporter uh, about just big law and how big law has 
done some suspicious things. Anyway, in a letter ostensibly complaining about the Law Review article, but seemingly complaining about both that and the fact that this talk was going to happen at Cardozo, Kevin Orr, who you may remember as Detroit's emergency manager, is now... It didn't work out well. It didn't. Well, I mean, yeah. uh, Not for Detroit. Well, not for Detroit, but uh, is now uh, the head of U.S. offices for Jones Day. He wrote a letter complaining about this article and saying, well, you need to you need to make some corrections. And I'm very upset that you would. uh, I'm very surprised. I mean, that's the more big law term, right? That's more passive aggressive. I'm very surprised (laughs) that you would have this conversation about all these things about Jones Day, all of which, of course, is nonsense alike. The the claims that these folks made actually within the context and as as very, very clearly signaled uh, were true. You have to have a very disingenuous read of what these folks wrote to suggest that it wasn't true. But what really, and how this gets all back to Streisand, is... Bringing it all back together again. Look, and I will say, like this, this Law Review article did win scholarly prizes. Uh, that said, if Law Review articles, I, think it, I don't think it's unfair to say or not something that a lot of us just... We, listen, we don't really long. sit home. Yeah, we don't sit home and say like, ooh, the new issue of the Illinois Law Review is Yeah, out. listen, these hours are not going to build themselves. People don't always have the time to take, unless you're working corporate, apparently. But you don't necessarily have the ooh, time to sit down and read soon. long law review articles. Yeah, nobody nobody really sits down and reads it. They're, they're written in kind of an ivory tower circle and whatever. So people aren't really reading these things. But then... Jones Day decided to complain about it, and this letter then got out in all its petty glory. And <laughs> now I think everybody's reading this article. Or at the very least, is talking about what it says. Exactly. So, yeah. So once again, Jones Day has decided to... Bit of a self-own there. Self-own. Yeah. It you just, know what? This reminds me of something. It's called the yeah. Streisand effect. <laughs> it does. Yes. There you, go. there you go. You know, that's very interesting. I think that's a good way of, of framing it. You should have said this earlier. Yeah. Makes so much sense now. Yeah. Okay. All right. We're back for our final explosive segment of the show. And what do we want to talk about? I don't even know. Uh, When you you lead in like that, you usually have to, you know, carry the weight yourself. There isn't really much. We didn't really have another segment planned out here. I guess the the big issue, uh, though, is I I think, Chris, you're working on something, I think. Uh, What's going on with Twitter? Is that you? Talk about a Streisand effect. You know the thing when um, the the billionaire trying to you know stroke his ego bought the Bluebird app, right? One of the big. I've heard, I've about heard that. yeah, yeah, yeah. And now wants big... to charge me money. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the big things he was saying was like, you know, comedy is free again, right? But then it's I think legal. it was yeah. it's legal yeah. again. But I think it was like Kathy Griffin. I don't no, know. Yeah. it was Valerie Bernelli. Well, no, it, it's Kathy Griffin. Yeah, but so Valerie Bernelli is the one who well, started it. I don't, I don't know as though that's true, but certainly both people. Yeah, they started chain with with verifiable. What happened was people. He was trying to get twenty bucks for people that wanted um, blue checks, and people were like, "Why are you monetizing this? This is a function that shows that a person is ver- verified. They're who they are." He was like, "Oh, that's goofy. I need the money." So then people did what people do on the internet. They prove he's wrong by example. So then every the bunch of people with with check marks start to change their name to Elon Musk, and then they said things at his expense. And then of course because he cares about liberty and freedom of speech, he then suspended everyone who did that. 
And he was like, oh, if you do parody, you now have to specify that you're doing parody, which he should have read the onion brief. The onion brief was phenomenal. The onion brief is very clear on this. The answers are pretty clearly. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, and it's funny because, you know, that's actually a free speech issue. Like the fact that the, the private ownership Twitter, this this is getting spun as being a free speech thing is is already itself a loss. Right. But, you know, if you're going to if you're going to inject yourself in legal conversations, be on the cutting edge. That is the onion. You know, they have layers. Oh, nice. I like that. Nice. Uh, yeah. Nice. So uh, of note. Uh, yeah. The, the whole the whole charging for a verified thing is is so dumb, uh, which, uh, you know, it's dumb because Jonathan Turley wrote about it last week. Uh, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. It, which, which is usually your side. Uh, he wrote a big thing explaining how uh, how happy he will be to pay eight dollars for it because it's all about supporting free speech. Uh, that said, if you read his his piece on this edit or or read my piece talking about it, it's really useful because you can see between the lines, how real mad he is that no one gave him a blue check mark before. Uh, it is, <laughs> Wait, who? He goes, Jonathan Turley, yeah, exactly, yeah. Well, Jonathan Turley takes long uh, asides to be like, no, I never got one in the old days, despite being the most important person in the world. And it's like, oh, honey. Uh, <laughs> it's just like, just so embarrassing. And, but but the real issue, of course, is that these blue check marks, uh, the, these, these dumb people think that this is the... This is like some kind of birthright that they have instead of what it actually is, which is a way in which Twitter can marketize, you know, marketize the fact that it has real people who are saying things of note uh, because it's basically using the free content that all of us blue check marks create as a way of advertising. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's free, because we're giving them free content. And so they want to make us happy. That's not like I don't feel like I deserve it as much as I understand that that's what I'm doing for that platform. Right. Uh, at the point that they start charging, uh, that's going to be a problem. Also, I'd just like to point out that this if this occurred in a book where people did need to determine that a billionaire was going to be the only way that they were going to get free speech and then a week later found out that they have to pay for it. People think this was ham-fisted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can we not be in a capitalist dystopia for a month? I mean, like, the, abso- nope. the best analogy I saw on Twitter, and I can't remember who said it, but somebody on Twitter said that watching Elon's first couple of weeks of running Twitter is like watching a substitute teacher lose control of the classroom. It's just <laughs> it's just one after another. Everything's gone wrong for him, largely of his own creation. Uh, I know that now he's now he's talking about tortious interference claims he's laid people off in violation of seeming violation of California it's labor laws. Act, yeah. Ooh, uh, one other which, thing that's that's a, yeah. another a strong, deeply steeped flavor of stupid. One of the other justifications people are giving for this um for him suspending accounts, the parody accounts, they're saying, oh, impersonation is illegal. Like they're saying it's an illegal thing <laughs> to yeah. make your handle. So if your name is at Buttsniff McGee, right. they think it should be illegal for you to, if you have a checkmark, to change your little thingy to Elon Musk. Like they're equating that with crime. Yes, which it's obvious that that person is not Elon Musk because, again, at Buttsniff McGee uh, is a good sign that it's not. And I actually noticed that Elon's now ranting earlier this morning about how any blue check mark who changes their name to anything will now get their blue check mark temporarily suspended until they can check out 
whether or not that's accurate. And like one of those things where people make, oh, capitalism breeds innovation arguments. Checkmark system was great for the last few couple years. As soon as you try to monetize it, it gets fucked. Come on. So so uh, th- that's actually an interesting point. So actually, as it turns out, uh, I'm going to I don't want to you all know me. I don't like to pat myself on the back. Yes, you do. Okay. For those who can't so, see the video, he's actually patting himself on the back with both hands. And he <laughs> has a third person cheering him on in the back. <laughs> but as it turns out, I didn't even remember this, but apparently I predicted the course Twitter was going to take. A couple of over two years ago, I tweeted something out uh, in response to something that uh, Willamette Law Professor David Friedman had said, and I had completely forgotten about it. But he resurfaced it over the weekend, and I was like, "Wow!" Uh, he had said the other. Uh, he said back in 2020 that someday there will be a final tweet on Twitter, and what will it say? And I said it would be somebody. I, I said jokingly that it'd be somebody complaining that they didn't get a blue check mark, uh, <laughs> which, which apparently I, I had my finger on the pulse of exactly how this thing was going to go downhill, which is everybody, everybody gets a check mark and everybody gets a cookie unless they make fun of Elon. Because anyway. you mentioned it, I just have yeah. to say I've seen the future. I don't know how Bitcoin will level out, but I do know that the final tweet will be because apocalypse will come. Mm-hmm. And the last person with internet access will Photoshop a picture of Michael Jordan's crying face on the earth. Mm-hmm. That will be the last tweet. Oh, you think? Yeah, no, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like there's there's so many more memes that are going to, man, well, whatever. Well, on that inspiring note. <laughs> yeah, legal, legal meme time. Uh, okay, so with that, yeah, let's, let's move on uh, to conclude here, I guess. Yeah. So hope you all have a great week. Talk yeah. to you again next week. And then you should also do the things that Joe's going to say. Which is uh, subscribe to the show so you get new episodes when they come out. Give reviews to the show. Write something. Give stars. It always helps out uh, the algorithms that show it to other people as a law podcast they might want to listen to. Uh, you can follow all of us on the Twitters. Uh, the, for now. For now. Uh, <laughs> for now. Above the Law is at ATL Blog. I'm at Joseph Patrice. She's at Catherine One. Numeral one. one. Yeah. We got to clarify always. Chris is at Rights for Rent. You should be listening to the Jabot, which is a show that ca- a podcast that Catherine hosts. I'm a, a panelist on the Legal Tech Week Journalist Roundtable. You should be listening to the other offerings of the Legal Talk Network. Yeah, I think that now brings us to Peace. a conclusion. All right, let's get out of here. Peace. That was a good I hate one. you so much. <laughs>you're a lawyer running a solo or small firm and you're looking for other lawyers to talk through issues you're currently facing in your practice, join the Unbillable Hours Community Roundtable, a free virtual event on the third Thursday of every month. Lawyers from all over the country come together and meet with me, lawyer and law firm management consultant Christopher T. Anderson, to discuss best practices on topics such as marketing, client acquisition, hiring and firing, and time management. The conversation is free to join, but requires a simple reservation. The link to RSVP can be found on the Unbillable Hour page at LegalTalkNetwork.com. We'll see you there.